We'll turn your Bibles to Romans 6. Romans 6, verses 1 through 13. I don't know if you've heard about the little girl that went to church for the first time. And when she went to church that day, they were having a baptism. Well, that night, uh, her mom had put her in the bathtub and her mom had went off to get her some pajamas and was on the way back down the hallway. And she heard her little girl saying this, I baptize you, my sister, to her Barbie dolls, in the name of the Father and the Son. And instead of saying... And in the Holy Ghost, she said, and in the hole you go, and she stuck them down a drain. <laughs> now that little girl, she got a little bit of what baptism was about, but she didn't quite get the whole concept. You know, unfortunately, that's where most of us are today. We don't understand what baptism is truly all about. Maybe we're confused, we're not sure about what it's about, or maybe we've been exposed to it all of our life, but we've never really stopped to think about what is the purpose of it. And that's what we want to do today. Baptism, what is it all about? And Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 13 is going to teach us about that. Now, as I begin this, this morning, I want to make this point to you. Uh, some people, when they hear, oh, we're going to talk about some religious ritual here today, you may, you may be tempted to tune out. I want to help you to see today that baptism has great meaning for our daily life. It has implications for how Monday is going to be. And so don't tune out today thinking that this is just some explanation about how the church feels about some religious ritual. No, God's Word is very clear. God gives us direction for our life. And anything that God wants to do in our lives is meaningful for our lives. Many of you have been taught or been uh, led to believe that God just is uh, some, uh, some big guy up in heaven that likes to have fun with us and make us jump through a bunch of hoops. Well, that's not who God is. And He gave us baptism for a reason. So turn with me to Romans 6. I want to explain to you that in chapters 1 through 5 of Romans, the Apostle Paul has started his great treatise on the Christian faith, on what it means to be a Christian and to follow Christ. And as we get to the end of chapter 5, God uses Paul to teach us that sin is a big problem, isn't it? We all know that. We've all experienced that. In our lives, when we've gotten away from God's plan and purpose, we found that that is big trouble. However, Paul's also taught us in those verses that God and His grace is much bigger than our sin. Now, unlike other books that God had led the Apostle Paul to write, he doesn't seem to be writing here a defense. It's not like uh, there's some people who are disagreeing with him and he's making an argument or a defense, but it seems more like here's some Christians who need to understand some things about their faith and he's giving them some explanation of what it means to walk with Christ. Aren't you glad God gives us His Word? If you're out there this morning, you say, you know what, I just want to know what it means to be a Christian. I just want to know what it means to follow Christ. That's why God has given us His Word. And as he begins chapter 6, it's almost as if he anticipates a question that someone might ask. He talks about God's grace and how it's able to cover the, the worst of all possible things that we could ever do with our lives. And, and many of you here today think that that's your category. By the way, you're probably not the worst of all possible sinners. But if you want to say that like the Apostle Paul did, he said, I'm the worst of the worst. God's grace, according to uh, Romans 1 through 5, covers all of your sin, covers all of my sin, covers all of any sin. And so a person might be tempted to say, well, if God's grace covers sin so well, then why don't we just sin it up? <laughs> why don't we just live it up? And then if we sin more, then we see more what? We see more grace. In fact, some religious groups, if you can believe this, have asserted that the sin of Adam and Eve 
of turning their back on God, that, that first sin that man ever created was not a bad thing because had it not happened, we'd have never seen God's salvation. Now, isn't that ludicrous? Isn't that ridiculous? And in the midst of thinking about that, the Apostle Paul gives us an understanding of baptism. You see, because he's talking about the ridiculous notion that that sin and and sin uh, abounding would be a good thing. And in the middle of that, he talks about baptism. And that's what we want to kind of look at today. Baptism, what is it all about? Verses 1 through 3, first of all, baptism means that I am not the same person anymore verses 1 through 3 what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may increase may it never be how shall we who died to sin still live in it or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death now notice in verse 1 Paul asked that question that he anticipates some people might ask if God's grace flows where sin is why don't we just continue on sinning But then he tells us in verse 2, that's just ludicrous. He says in verse 2, may it never be. Some of your translations say what? God forbid. Now, it literally says, may it never become. May that never happen. But the sense there is, is absolutely not. How could you ever possibly consider keeping on doing what Jesus Christ died for? He says, how could someone who died to sin, he's talking about us, keep on doing it? Now, we know, and the Apostle Paul would affirm, that we are going to sin, aren't we? When we come to Christ, we don't become sinless. But the issue here is enjoying it, is living in it, is making it a practice. He says, that is just not possible. If I'm a Christian, I am not the same anymore. The continual practice of sin is something that I cannot enjoy anymore. I've died to that kind of life. And in verse 3, what he, uh, he ties that in with, he appeals to baptism as proof of that. He says, listen, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Now, listen, I want you to understand what the word baptism means. The word baptize means to overwhelm, to be overcome, or to be immersed in something. Now, I want you to understand the bigger definition of baptism so you can kind of take it out of your religious connotations of just the word baptism and all the trappings of of what you think that means. But think about it in its original wording. The word that God led the New Testament writers to, to use to describe what happens when we're baptized. The word baptized means to be overwhelmed with something, to be overcome with something, to be immersed in something. And so when we're baptized, we're showing a picture of our immersion in Christ, portraying the fact that we used to be one way, our own person, but now having received Christ, being in Him, we are now a new person. And it's not an act that stands on its own, but it symbolizes something much greater. It symbolizes our true salvation experience. It symbolizes the reality that we are a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Baptism visibly demonstrates that we are not the same person anymore. And we cannot enjoy the habitual practice of sin in our lives because baptism symbolizes that we died to that old way of life. Do you understand that? 
I don't think many times we think about that imagery of death enough, but think about the reality of death. What if you went to a funeral? Okay? And I don't want to make light of going to a funeral, but I want us to just think of what if you went to a funeral and you were there and all of a sudden the person sat up in the casket and started to get out? What would you say? <laughs> this something's weird's going on. This is not supposed to happen. When a person dies, we're saying that person is gone. They were alive, but now they are dead. Dead people don't do what they used to do. Baptism shows that if you've truly received Christ, you have, again, see my hands? You have died to your old way of living. Now you're a new person, and you can't live that way. You can't enjoy living that way anymore. By the way, it says here that we are baptized into Christ. I need to just kind of make you aware that some, uh, some Christians, some people who call themselves Christians, and, and maybe they are Christians, but some Christians teach that we are baptized only in Jesus' name. Now, there's a sense in which I don't want to address something like this because it's one of those little nitpicky things that immature Christians fuss over and focus on. But just so I can teach you and equip you as your pastor, if someone brings this up, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, that we're to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so there are Christians that would say, you're, you're only baptized in Jesus' name. And they get that from the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, sometimes you see that emphasis on, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Now, I believe that what the, what's happening in the book of Acts is God's speaking that truth because of for emphasis and for clarification of some of the things that were going on there in the book of Acts. But it's not meant to exclude the Father and the Spirit. They're all one God. You're not giving your life to one as opposed to the other. And so I just want you to be clear on that. We're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, all of who God is, and all of who He's revealed Himself to us to be. If you're a Christian, though, you're not the same person that you used to be. I want you to hear Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. If you're a Christian, the Bible says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you see baptism even in that? You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're not the same person that you used to be. If you've followed the Lord publicly through baptism, that's what you were saying. And like a married person who, who should be reminded of their vows every time they see a wedding ceremony, every time I see a baptism, I ought to be reminded that I'm just not the same person that I used to be. Amen? Baptism, though, number two in verses 4 through 11 tells us that it means that I identify with Jesus. Baptism means that I identify with Jesus, verses 4 through 11. I'm not the same that I used to be, and now I'm identifying myself completely with Jesus Christ. Let me read those verses. It says, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. There again, you're seeing the emphasis we've just mentioned. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he, again, who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, praise God. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, 
consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, we already saw it hinted in verse 3 when he said we were baptized into Christ. Then in verses 4 through 5, he continues to, uh, to emphasize our identity with Christ. He says we've been buried with him. We've been raised in new life with him. We were united with him in his burial. We'll also be united with him in his resurrection. The language here indicates to us that when we follow Christ through baptism, listen, when we're baptized, we're saying... Do you understand this? We're saying that our whole identity is now found in Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? When I am baptized, I am saying that I intend for my life to be fully and completely identified with Jesus Christ. I mean, when you go under that water and the old person is gone and you're buried and you rise as a new person in Christ, now you are saying, I intend for my life to be completely identified with with Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, aren't you glad that our identification is symbolic? <laughs> aren't you glad that we didn't have to identify with Jesus by actually dying on a cross? Aren't you glad that he didn't say, you know, he said, you're going to kind of, he told some of the disciples, you're going to kind of have to go the way I go. Some of them actually were persecuted. Actually, some of them died. And there are some Christians who are martyred. But for most of us, aren't you glad that, that we don't have to go that same route? And they didn't have to go that route to, to achieve their salvation. It just happened to be the end result of their life because they stood for Christ. But aren't you glad that God doesn't require us to get on a cross? You know what he says to us? He says, if you love me, then identify yourself with me and do that through portraying the same thing that I did for you by identifying in a harmless in a, a very simple, in a very easy, I mean, how much easier could it be than to get in a tub of water or to get in a river somewhere and go under some water and get wet and pop back up and get dried off and then say, I identify myself with Jesus. Aren't you glad that you don't have to shed your blood? Aren't you glad that you don't have to be publicly humiliated and beaten? I understand many times when people are baptized, they get nervous, but I try to tell them, you're in the midst of a group of people who love you, who are cheering for you. And by the way, when you see a baptism, it drives me nuts when I go to a church and they don't clap after a baptism. We ought to be hooting and hollering and saying, praise God that person had courage, they had guts, and we need to let them know we are behind them. We stand with them. We thank God for, for the courage that they've shown in doing this because it takes a lot of guts to do that in this group. But aren't you glad you don't have people spitting in your face like Jesus did? Aren't you glad you don't have people poking spears in your side? Aren't you glad you don't have nails and scars in your hands and in your feet? Thank God that it's a picture. But when I go through the picture of baptism, I am identifying myself with his real work. He really did that. And through that picture, I am identifying myself with him. By the way, what we're talking about here is why we at New Hope practice, we believe the Bible teaches that we should practice immersion. And what do I mean by immersion? That means you go all the way under and you come back up. Now, what's the reason for that? Well, we believe that it's the best picture of what Jesus did. He really died, didn't he? He really was buried in a grave. He went in the earth. And he was buried, and he rose again. And so when we go through immersion as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not merely being sprinkled or washed from sin. Now, that does happen in salvation, which baptism is a picture of. But more than that, do you see what baptism is really about? It's not just that, but it's saying, I identify myself. 
I am, I am uh, uh, in solidarity completely with Jesus Christ and what he did for me. I am not ashamed of that. I am identifying myself completely with him. And isn't the kind, compassionate, gracious King of kings and Lord of lords who you want to be identified with? <laughs> I mean, look, you know, if we're having a, if we're having a, a show and tell at, uh, at school and we say, hey, bring somebody famous that you know. This week I was in Nashville and I was sitting two seats down from Little Richard. I mean, he was sitting there handing out all this information and everything. And, you know, I'm in Nashville. You never know who you're going to see. And then there was some country music guy that some of the guys that were with me thought that he was God. I mean, they, they, they said, this guy, don't you know, I don't know, tiny somebody. I don't know who the guy was. I mean, he's a famous guy. You know, uh, I don't care who tiny is. I got Jesus with me. That's, what, that's the point I'm trying to make. Let me get back on track here. Don't you want to be identified with Christ? Who else? What I want to be identified with. Baptism helps me to say I identify myself with Jesus. I want to, again, just kind of help you understand how baptism is, is seen in this way. And in a, in a, in a verse that there are some verses that I think really help us with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. And I want you to see the context of 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. What's happening here is Paul is talking to the Corinthians and he's talking to them about the Israelites and he's talking to them about their experiences in the wilderness. And he's talking about how they got so close to the things of God, but they still missed out on God's best for them. Okay, but the emphasis is how they got so close to the things of God. Look at verses 1 through 4. It says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers, those Israelites, were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now listen to verse 2. Have you ever read this verse? And they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Have you ever read that verse before? If you have, you may have wondered what it was talking about. Well, if we're talking about baptism as we're going to experience it today, how would you get baptized in a cloud? How would you do that? We're not going to use water today. We're going to use a cloud. That's not what it's talking about. They were baptized. It's saying, bless you. They were baptized. They were immersed. They were covered. They were completely a part of that experience. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, what is he saying? He's saying the Israelites, as they were following Moses' leadership, when he says they were baptized into Moses, what he was saying is that they were completely a part of the experience of what God was doing through Moses. That is what baptism represents. It means to be surrounded, to be wrapped up in something, to be immersed in something. If you know Christ as your Savior, you have already received Christ as your Savior. You've already made the decision. Now listen, make clear today that you've got this distinction. When you receive Christ as your Savior, that's when you are immersed in Christ. Amen? Baptism is just an outward picture that indicates that that's what's happened on the inside. How else would I know? That's one way for me to show. How else would you know about my life unless I showed it by my actions? And so one of the best actions that I can do in my life to show that in my heart I truly want to be immersed and covered and surrounded and enveloped in Christ is by following Him publicly through baptism in water. You may have heard me talk about baptism as our jersey. It's a way of, our, of, of us identifying ourselves as being on his team. Doesn't every organization have some way to show that you're a member of that organization? Some way of indicating that you're a part of that group? And God's family, baptism is our way of showing and saying, I'm in, guys. I just want you to know I'm in. 
<laughs> I don't care who knows it. You've said that you want everybody to know that you're a Christian and you aren't afraid of it and I want to stand together with you. We call it fellowship, don't we? We call it togetherness. We call it connection. That's why when people follow the Lord in baptism, many times, in fact, almost always, they become a member of our church. There's very few uh, situations in which I would baptize someone without them becoming a part of our church. Now, I would be willing to consider that in special, in special situations, but... Most of the time when we baptize somebody, we're saying they are coming into fellowship with Christ. They are coming into fellowship with his people. And so we have a responsibility to be their family, to help them grow. And they have a responsibility to be a part of what God's doing in our lives. So, yeah, you can be a Christian. Listen, technically, if you want to just split hairs, you can be a Christian without being baptized. But as one author says, the Apostle Paul would probably say to you, but, but why aren't you? Why wouldn't you? If you are a Christian, you will want to be baptized. You will want to be identified with the one who gave his life for you. You wouldn't be ashamed of that person, would you? Now, if not, it's possible. If I'm never willing to publicly identify myself with Jesus Christ through baptism, it's possible that I never knew him in the first place. And the Bible says that'll come out one day. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 through 33, it says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Baptism is one of the key ways that we identify and confess our belief and our trust in Jesus Christ. Something else I want you to understand from God's Word as we learn here how important baptism is, as we see what God is, is saying, as what, what baptism is saying about us to the Lord and to other people, some people have the, the idea that, that baptism is something you put off. And, and let me share with you what I mean by that. They would say, yes, I'm a child of God, but I'm not ready for baptism. There are even some churches that say you've got to take baptism preparation classes, right? Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but I want you to understand what God's Word seems to indicate. God's Word seems to indicate that baptism seems to be a fairly quick experience for a new child of God. As you look at believers in the New Testament, they do not appear to be waiting for baptism. In fact, you get the indication that it almost seems to be an immediate thing. After they receive Christ, hey, I'm in. And I want everybody to know I'm in, and so I'm going to publicly stand for Christ. I'll just give you a reference there to look at, Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 38. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. After the eunuch came to know Christ, he said, What's holding me back, buddy? Let's find some water somewhere, and let's do it. Let's get baptized. The rest of the New Testament does not seem to know about, listen, does not seem to know about an unbaptized believer in Jesus Christ. They just go together. If I receive Christ as my personal Savior, then I'm going to want you to know about it. Now, here's the other thing I want you to understand. It's not baptism, but salvation that we need to be clear on. I understand a need to prepare people for baptism. In fact, any of the people that are being baptized today will tell you that they've been through several times of sitting down and talking to me and me helping them to understand clearly what baptism is about. I think that's important for us to do. But what we most need to understand is not baptism, but we need to understand what it symbolizes. We need to understand salvation. 
we need to make sure we spend plenty of time talking to people about, do you know what it means to personally receive Christ as your Savior? Listen, what kind of God would we serve if his emphasis was on getting in a tub of water and getting wet? That was his primary goal for our lives. Get in that tub of water, get wet. Whether you ever personally give your heart to me or not is a non-issue. Just get wet. I said to do it, just do it. Or if he said, you know what my emphasis is? My emphasis is your heart. I want you. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. And oh, by the way, as soon as you do, I want, to, I want you to let everybody know about it. That's what baptism is. Just let them all know about it. I'm with Jesus. I stand with him. By putting, listen, this is so important for some of us, by putting the emphasis on baptism, many churches have confused people. Many people think baptism is the most important thing. Many people will say to me, I'll say, hey, where are you at in your relationship with Christ? Well, I think I'm getting close to being baptized. <laughs> you know, or, or, or they'll say, well, I was baptized back so-and-so. And I'll say, well, what about your heart? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Oh, I was baptized back so-and-so. Oh, that's great. What about your heart? Do you know Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah, I was baptized back so-and-so. I've already told you that. That's because they've been taught that baptism is truly what it's all about. But I want you to be clear in God's word. Our God is not that fickle. <laughs> he loves you. And he's not looking for you to do some religious action just to, just to make him happy. Listen to this. How sad that many people are prepared for baptism, but they're not prepared for eternity. My goodness. According to these verses, if I know Jesus, I'm not ashamed of him. He lives in my heart, and I want the record to be clear. I'm together with Christ. But number three in verses 12 through 13. Baptism means I'm not the same person anymore. It means I identify myself with Jesus. But baptism means, number three, I will live my life differently. That's the intention of my life. The problem many times in church is that we don't communicate God's message clearly. God, as we've said before, doesn't give us things to do such as baptism just for the sake of doing them, just as some meaningless ritualistic event or some hoop to jump through. All that we've talked about concerning baptism, listen, it's building up to what we're going to talk about here. All that we've talked about concerning baptism is so that we would understand what it's about and so that it would make a difference in our lives. If baptism means or if baptism represents the fact that I'm not the same person anymore, I've changed. The old Robbie's gone. He's dead. That's what I'm saying when I'm baptized. I need to let you know I received Christ back here at some point, maybe yesterday, maybe six months ago. And when I'm being baptized, I'm letting you know that that old Robbie's gone. It's also saying that I want you to be clear. I'm with Jesus. What he did on the cross, I identify myself completely with him. But it also means that I intend to live my life different from this point forward. Galatians 2 verse 20 talks about that. Let me read those verses to you. Galatians 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Hear the baptism language again? And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The Bible says that when I give my life to Jesus Christ, I die to self and I become a new person in Christ. And that's what baptism represented. And now that I come up out of my grave, out of my old life, I intend 
to live my life differently. You remember I, I quoted to you Colossians 3, verse 3 a while ago. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And it, all around those verses, it says this. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. It says in verse 5, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry, and all these different things. What is the Bible saying? When I follow the Lord publicly, when I take my stand with Him, I'm saying that the intention of my life is to live my life in a different way from here on out. Let's look at Romans 6, verses 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, in light of this, in light of the fact of what we're talking about with baptism, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Like those of you who've received Christ as your Savior, many, listen to me, friend, I hope this is encouraging to you, Many of the early believers struggled with sin. Isn't that good to know? Aren't you glad? I know we see pictures of halos and everything, but that's not real. They didn't have halos around their head. Listen, they were just like us. Lord help them, amen? <laughs> they were just like us. And maybe you have a little bit better foundation than they did. Many of them had never heard about Christ until they began walking with Him. Maybe you have. At least you have some notion of what He was about or you had some understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. At least you had that foundation. And so many of them struggled with sin. Many of them struggled with doing things they used to do. And boy, I don't want to, but I still do. And, and what do I do with that? And Paul was telling them, you do not have to live life anymore the way you have before. In fact, he was challenging them, you should not live it that way. If Christ is your king, if he's my king, he says sin should no longer reign. Doesn't that just seem like just rationally clear? If Christ is king, how could anyone else reign? Doesn't that sound like kingship? Does that sound like a kingdom? How could sin reign in my life? How could it be in control? How could it be the final authority in my decision making? My way instead of God's way. No, if I'm a Christian, Christ is the king of my life. And in verse 13, he gives them a real visual picture of how this works. And I want you to understand this. This verse has really helped me in my own walk with the Lord. It says, now listen, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Listen, young people, we're going to talk about this in a few weeks with the true love weights emphasis. We are not animals, are we? We don't have to do what our body tells us to do. We don't have to obey our passions and desires in this world. We don't have to let sin be king. Jesus can be king, and we can tell our body, we ain't going to do that. Okay? But here's a real visual picture that he gives. He says, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin. You see what I'm doing? Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead, and your members or your body parts as instruments of righteousness to God. Listen, when I sin against God, it's just like I'm walking over to sin, or I'm walking over to the devil, or I'm walking over to, to someone else besides God, and I'm saying, here I am, do whatever you want to. I'm presenting myself. I want you to picture that, friend. When you feel yourself pulling away from God, I want you to picture it as, I don't want to do that. 
I don't want to walk over to, to sin and say, here, use me ever how you want to. Do I? I don't want to do that. But I want to, and I like this picture. See, that kind of gives the impression, I've mentioned to you before, I always get that picture of Bugs Bunny, you know, when it was Elmer Fudd or, I don't know, Yosemite Sam or one of those guys, and y'all young people, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It comes on the, the oldie station, you know, on whatever the Cartoon Network oldie station is. But Bugs Bunny, you know, Elmer Fudd would always bring out that carrot, and Bugs Bunny would just be, he would just be lost, you know. He just smelled the carrot, and he just, he was going to get it. I don't want to be like that with sin. I don't want to just be an easy target, do you? I don't want to just, oh yeah, just do whatever you want to with me. Sure, I'm caught. So don't allow yourself to just be pulled away easily. But then you see a powerful picture, but present yourself to God. Don't you see it? Don't you see? And and man, I thought about men in this picture. Guys, sometimes we see being a Christian as being a weak thing. I tell you what, there's nothing stronger than following Christ. Because I say, "Uh uh-uh. No, I am not going to weakly allow myself just to be taken by this thing. But I am going to intentionally and with my own choice and through God's strength give myself to God. Do you see the proactive nature of that? It's not just hold back from sin, but it's give yourself. <laughs> I make a choice and, what a, and a voluntary choice through God's help and His grace to give myself to Him, how proactive and strong that is. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to say, I can present myself to Almighty God. Some of you wonder what this thing is we do at the end of the service. You don't have to come forward and pray with anybody or talk to anybody to receive Jesus or to make any decision. But you know what? Sometimes it's helpful to take steps, isn't it? Sometimes it's helpful to make some moves. (laughs) to take some action, not just to let it be between me and God, but to present myself. And it might be this morning that you would just say, you know what, if I stay here in my seat, if I just keep it between me and God here in my heart, then I'm not sure I'm going to really do anything with it. But if I visibly and through action of my life walk up front and just put myself at God's feet, I'm going to be more serious about it that way. And God knows that. He calls people publicly. He calls people at some point to just come out with it and let others know to take real steps of action. I love that. I don't have to be taken away with sin, but I can actually make a strong choice to give myself to Almighty God, to lay myself in His hands. That means I'm going to live my life differently. We don't have time to look at all the passages throughout the New Testament, but that's what you see many times in the letters in the New Testament. There's, that's the challenge that those Christians were facing. Now they've come to Christ. And, and like we learned last week, they're struggling with sin. Well, that struggle means you need to do a, a, a touch base. If I'm struggling with sin so much, I need to ask myself, have I truly received Christ? And some of them hadn't. And they need to get that right first. But if I'm struggling with sin and I truly know that I've received Christ, then there's a challenge to now live differently. And God gave them His Word so that they could understand what His will and His plan and purpose was and so that they could choose to present themselves to that way of living. That's really the decision we have today, isn't it? It's the same decision. Some of us here today are struggling with doing God's way in our life. Listen, from young person to adult, do we not daily struggle to follow God. Do we not? Am I the only one, guys? Every day it's a struggle. So I've got to honestly ask myself a question. God, if I'm struggling so much, 
Do I know you? And I just thank God that I've come to a point in my life where I just know the answer to that is yes. No doubt yes. Thank God yes. Absolutely yes. Thank you, Lord. Some of you know that today. Some of us don't. And if you're not sure about that today, maybe God would want to speak to you. You don't need to be baptized. You need to, to, to experience what baptism represents. And that is being immersed in Christ. <laughs> that is being covered by Him and by His blood and by His life and His resurrection. You need to be just covered by Christ today. You need to receive Him as your Savior. Some of us Christians, we might wonder if we're a Christian because we struggle so much with things in our life. But when you get alone with God and you're really honest with Him, you'd say, Dear Jesus, you know you're my Savior. I know you're my Savior. There's no doubt. Even though I struggle, I know that's true. But God, today, I want to live my life differently. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe that's the step you need to take. Maybe you need that coming out. Maybe you need that fresh starting point of, God, I stand with you. And I want to live. I intend to live my life differently. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need to join in a fellowship of people that, that would stand together with you because we all struggle too. Do you believe that? Or do you look around and you say, I know they say they struggle, but they're faking it. They're really perfect. I'm the only one here. It's amazing how many of us are saying that. And if I got you all to raise your hands and line you up all over here, there's going to be nobody else sitting here. And the ones that were sitting here would be proud, and they'd need to be over there. God knows. Aren't we in a mess? But aren't you glad for His forgiveness? Aren't you glad He's given us a family to be a part of? Aren't you glad today that He's spoken to your heart? Would baptism be a reminder to you of these things today? I'm not the same person anymore. I identify myself completely with Jesus Christ, and I intend to live my life differently now.